0: Hi, everyone. It is Wednesday, May 10th. You are listening to the Emo News Podcast. I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. We read all of the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. I heard from a few people that they have been missing read between the lines, that line. So I decided to add it back, at least for today. All right, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Mosh still off from the podcast. He is now in Israel. He travels with a group of Ethiopian Jews who immigrated to the country. It has been an emotional and just incredible journey, and he's going to have a lot more on the Mosh Instagram feed pretty soon. As for this podcast, tomorrow, Thursday, I'm going to have special guest, Carlo Versano. For anyone who is not familiar, Carlo and I used to co-host the Need to Know podcast, a lot of people have been asking me what he is up to, and they've been looking for me to bring him on Mo News. So, tomorrow's the day, and I am very, very excited. And then Friday, Dana Pollock, the CEO and founder of Dana's Bakery, is going to be helping me out on Cheers to the freaking weekend, what we are watching, reading, and eating. Today, though, a huge news day. So, let's get to some headlines. There's actually so much news. I feel like this is the type of day that Mosh probably hates to miss. But here we go. All right. A jury finds that Donald Trump sexually assaulted writer E. Jean Carroll, awarding her five million dollars in damages, the reaction and what impact this could have on his presidential reelection campaign. On the political front, President Biden met with the big four on Tuesday and there is no deal, not even, quote, any movement, according to Speaker McCarthy, when it comes to debt ceiling negotiations. But they are planning to meet again. Meanwhile, Congressman George Santos has reportedly been charged by federal prosecutors. And Senator Feinstein is returning to the Senate after a long absence and calls for her resignation. Overseas, Vladimir Putin led a scaled back victory day in Moscow, saying that the survival of the Russian people depends on the war in Ukraine. And in the media world, Tucker Carlson is launching a new show, The Surprising Place, where you'll be able to watch it. And the end of an era, MTV News is no more. On the health front, a panel of experts say that women should get mammograms starting at age 40, not 50. But some say that doesn't even go far enough. Plus, we've got On This Day in History. All right, let's start with the civil trial against Donald Trump. After just two hours of deliberation, a Manhattan jury has found that the former president, Sexually abused and defamed writer Eugene Carroll, the jury ordering Trump to pay nearly $5 million to Carroll in damages. That breaks down to about $2 million for the sexual abuse and $3 million for the defamation. Carroll had accused Trump of raping her in the dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman when they happened to bump into each other at the Manhattan department store back in the mid 1990s. This decision is considered a victory for Eugene Carroll. But it is important to mention that the jury could have found Trump liable of rape, and they decided to go with sexual assault instead. As for the defamation accusation, Carol said that Trump defamed her by calling her allegations a hoax and a con job, and said that he wouldn't have attacked her because, quote, she's not her type. During the trial, she said, he lied and shattered my reputation, and I'm here to try and get my life back. Trump had said Carol lied about the rape to boost sales of her memoir. It's called What Do We Need Men For?, in which she details that alleged assault. Now, Carol filed this lawsuit in 2022. So if you're wondering why she was able to file this suit so long after the fact, two and a half decades later, after the statute of limitations had passed, last year, New York passed the Adult Survivors Act, which opened this small window of one year in which adult survivors of sexual violence could sue civilly over attacks that occurred decades ago. I want to also talk about the difference between civil and criminal trials. Again, this was a civil trial. In criminal court, crimes must generally be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. Civil cases are proved by lower standards of proof, such as, quote, the preponderance of evidence. The term preponderance of evidence refers to how it was more likely than not that something occurred in a certain way. So basically above 50%. And in a civil case, you're not found guilty. You're found liable, which is why you're going to hear that language when people talk about it. The jury was made up of six men and three women. Trump did not take the stand. He never even went into the courtroom. He was not required to because, again, this was a civil case and not a criminal case. As for the reaction to this verdict, E. Jean Carroll walked out of court with a very big smile on her face. She did not stop to talk to reporters. Trump wrote on Truth Social in all caps, quote, I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. This verdict is a disgrace, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. His lawyer, Joe Tacopino, spoke to reporters after the trial. He said he doesn't believe Trump could get a fair trial in New York. Let's take a listen to part of of what he had to say. Strange verdict. Um, This was a rape claim. It was a rape case all along, and the jury rejected that, but made it the findings, so Um, we'll obviously be appealing those other findings, but they rejected her rape claim and she'd always claimed this was a rape case. Um, So it's a little perplexing, but, um, you know, we move forward. Did you speak to Mr. Trump and what did he tell you? We've spoken um, and we're ready to, you know, proceed, go forward. Obviously, you know, he's affirming his belief, as many people are, that he cannot get a fair trial in New York City um, based on the jury pool. And um, I think one could argue that that's probably an accurate assessment um, based on what happened today. So that, again, is Trump's attorney who, as expected, said that he is going to file an appeal here. A few questions that have come out in light of this verdict. Does Trump go to jail? Does he have to register as a sex offender? The answer to that is no and no. Again, because this was not a criminal case, it was a civil matter. The reason that this wasn't being tried as a crime is, again, because that statute of limitations had run out. And Carol did not press charges at the time that she alleged that this happened. Another question, will she see any of this money, that $5 million? Analysts say she's definitely not going to see it for a while um, because he is going to appeal. And will this prevent him from running for president? Nope. Um, That is because it is a civil penalty. It isn't clear, though, how the verdict's going to impact his campaign for president, if at all. Some analysts say that even if it doesn't sway any voters, it could potentially impact donors who may not want to back someone who was found liable by a jury of sexual abuse. We should note more than two dozen other women have accused Trump of sexual misconduct. But this is the first time that he has been held legally responsible for sexual assault. We'll likely hear a lot more from Trump about this tonight. He is scheduled to appear at a forum on CNN. It's moderated by their morning show co-host, Caitlin Collins. It's his first appearance on the network since the 2016 presidential campaign. She is going to be taking questions from Republicans and independents. By the way, Trump's legal problems not finished here. He is still charged in criminal court. He was indicted by a Manhattan grand jury on 34 counts of falsifying business records related to those hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. And in Georgia, prosecutors are reportedly considering bringing charges against him related to his alleged effort to overturn the 2020 election in that state. We have got tons of more news after the break, but for now, a word from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplement in the mornings, the Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning, easy, quick, and lets you get on with your day. Knowing that you have gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals, it also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving MoNews listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just a month. Again, athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Time now for the speed read from the New York Times. President Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy emerged from a critical meeting at the White House Tuesday with no consensus on how to end their impasse over the federal debt and spending just weeks before the nation has set to default on its obligations for the first time in history with the American and perhaps even the global economy hanging in the balance. This meeting was the first such session between the Democratic president and Republican Speaker since February. But the two sides stuck close to their opening positions. Biden and Democratic leadership demanding that Congress raise the debt ceiling unconditionally to avoid a default. And McCarthy demanding that such a move be accompanied by serious spending cuts. And that really is the issue here and how this breaks down. It is between President Biden and Speaker McCarthy and which one is going to blink. After the meeting, McCarthy said that he didn't see any new movement both sides held press conferences and pointed fingers at the other. The speaker is saying he's been trying to get me to sit down with him for 97 days. 97 days ago, we did meet in my office. I said to him at the time, I'm happy to talk to you. you submit your budget, I'll submit mine, submit mine, and we'll talk about it. And I don't want to get any press person pointing anybody up, but I think you all remember my saying that. I submitted my budget on March the 9th in detail. He passed his plan, I think in the last or second to last week in April. Five days later, after he finally put forward something, I called on him to invite invite him to a meeting with the other leading members of the Congress. I don't want to play politics with this. I think this is too important. That's why three months ago I came to the president. Can't we find a way? I know we're both going to have to give and take. That's the way the founders have created our government, a House, a Senate, the executive branch. So let's sit down together, find places we can agree upon and get this done. Because they ignored us, we had to go on our own. On a positive note, the leaders are going to be meeting again on Friday. Now, in recent years, such standoffs have not been resolved until hours or days before a deadline or the deadline even gets extended the X date here, or when the Treasury's money runs out, is fast approaching. The Treasury Department's estimated it could happen as soon as June 1st. All right, now let's get to some overseas news, and then we are going to actually get back to politics, but we haven't talked about Ukraine in a while. From The Guardian, Russian cruise missiles exploded in the air over Kiev as Vladimir Putin marked the anniversary of victory over the Nazis with another attack on Ukraine, Putin spoke at a noticeably scaled-back military parade in Moscow's Red Square to celebrate the Soviet victory over Nazi Germany. The Russian president used his Victory Day speech to defend his invasion of the country. He said, quote, "...the survival of the Russian people depended on the war in Ukraine." He said, "...today civilization is again at a decisive turning point. A real war has been unleashed against us again." He drew these false parallels between today's fight with what he called Ukraine's, quote, criminal regime and the defeat of Nazi Germany in 1945. And he also blamed the West for destroying traditional values and propagandizing a system of robbery and violence. Victory Day, when Russians celebrate the end of what they call the Great Patriotic War against Nazi Germany, has emerged as the centerpiece of Putin's vision of Russian identity over his 23 years in charge. Security concerns definitely cast a shadow on this year's Victory Day celebrations across Russia after two drones attacked the Kremlin last week. More than 20 cities across the country just scrapped their parades entirely, including those several thousands of miles from the front lines. Observers also noticed that this year's parade featured significantly less heavy modern equipment than in years past, and only one Soviet-era tank, a sign that the war in Ukraine has inflicted a heavy toll on the country's military. Putin's speech came hours after Russia launched a fresh barrage of cruise missiles at Ukraine as both sides appear to be preparing for a widely expected Ukrainian offensive that Ukraine hopes will help recapture territory that they've lost since the start of the war. Okay, back here in the U.S. and on to politics again from CNN. Federal prosecutors have filed criminal charges against New York Congressman George Santos, the Republican lawmaker whose astonishing pattern of lies and fabrications stunned even hardened politicos. This is all according to three sources. Santos is expected to appear as soon as this morning at federal court in New York's Eastern District, where the charges have been filed under seal. The exact nature of the charges could not be immediately learned, but the FBI and the Justice Department public integrity prosecutors in New York and Washington have been examining allegations of false statements in his campaign finance filings and other claims. That is a story that we will certainly be watching today. Santos, of course, the congressman from my district here on Long Island. Also on the political front, again, this is why I need Mosh from CBS News. Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein on her way back to Washington, D.C. After a lengthy absence from the Senate because of health issues, it's all prompted members of her own party to call for her resignation. Her absence left Democrats with a very narrow 50 to 49 margin in the chamber. The California Democrat hadn't cast a vote since mid-February. She'd been hospitalized in California for shingles, and then spent weeks recovering at home. Some media news from Variety. Tucker Carlson announcing that he will bring a version of his Fox News show, which he lost after getting fired last month, to Twitter, the social media platform owned by Elon Musk. Take a listen to some of his announcement that was made, of course, on Twitter. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter where we are now. Twitter has long served as the place where our national conversation incubates and develops. According to Musk, Twitter does not have any deal with Carlson. He's gonna be foregoing at least $25 million in compensation in order to break his non-compete clause with Fox News. He was let go by Fox two weeks ago. Also, when it comes to media news from The Hollywood Reporter, 36 years after MTV News was created to expand the stable of programming that defined the cable channel MTV, it is no more. MTV News was shuttered this week as part of larger layoffs at parent company Paramount Global. What launched as a single show in 1987 with The Week in Rock, it was led by correspondent Kurt Loder, eventually became a bona fide news outlet for Gen X and older millennials who found that traditional TV programming on the broadcast networks and CNN just wasn't cutting it. Correspondents covered music, pop culture, politics, and other topics with an eye toward the younger generation that was turned to MTV rather than the network evening newscasts. And along the way, MTV News created some pop culture moments itself. Um, Perhaps none bigger than in 1994. You might remember this. Then President Clinton appeared on MTV's Enough is Enough. It was a town hall addressing violence in America. But it was this section of lighter questions and answers that made national headlines when an audience member asked Clinton, Mr. President, the world is dying to know, is it boxers or briefs? All right. Do you remember what he said? Usually briefs. Definitely the end of an era. And some health news from USA Today. Women should be screened for breast cancer every other year, starting at the age of 40 instead of 50. This is according to draft guidelines released Tuesday by an independent group of experts that sets standards for tests and screenings. The previous recommendations were last updated in 2016. They said that women younger than 50 who are concerned could discuss screening with their doctors. Now the task force says screening at 40 could actually save about 19% more lives. Experts say the guidelines are a leap in the right direction, but should even go further to advise women to be screened every year, not every other year. Several other leading groups have long recommended yearly mammograms starting at age 40. Breast cancer makes up nearly 30% of new cancers in women in the U.S. each year. It's estimated one in eight women will develop breast cancer in the course of their lives. Breast cancer clinicians have long called for lowering the recommended age for a woman's first mammogram, especially for Black women who are more likely to be diagnosed at earlier ages or with aggressive subtypes and are 40% more likely than white women to die of breast cancer. Here on Long Island, because the rates of breast cancer are so incredibly high, most doctors do recommend that women start with mammograms at the age of 40. All right, time for Honest Day in History. On May 10th, 1994, Nelson Mandela becomes South Africa's first black president. Nelson Mandela's efforts to end apartheid led to his imprisonment and helped earn him the 1993 Nobel Peace Prize. All right, we're going to go back a little bit further. In 1872, Victoria Woodhull becomes the first woman nominated for U.S. presidency by the Equal Rights Party at Apollo Hall in New York City. So I had to look her up because I wasn't totally familiar. She was a leader of the women's suffrage movement. And while many historians and authors agree that she was the first woman to run for the presidency, some actually don't classify it as a true candidacy because she was younger than the constitutionally mandated age of 35. A little pop culture history. On this day in 1983, the TV sitcom Laverne and Shirley officially went off the air. It was on ABC. And in 2019, Rihanna announced her high end fashion label Fenty with the world's largest luxury group, LVMH, their first black female designer. Rihanna, of course, is a successful musician, but the bulk of her money has come from her business ventures, which have made her a billionaire. Yes, that is billionaire with a B. Forbes estimates that the bulk of her fortune, around $1.4 billion specifically, comes from the value of Fenty Beauty, which she has a 50% ownership of. That company itself worth about $2.8 billion. And this is where we should probably play Rihanna's work, 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 work. work. All right. On that note, whether you're heading to work right now, at work, not working, whatever it is you're doing today, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And call us 1-800-711-MOSH. Want to hear from you. What's on your mind? And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at MOSH, M-O-S-H-E-H. And feel free to say hi or send me a message. I'm at Jill R. Wagner. And like I said yesterday, I sadly spend way too much time on Instagram. So I will probably respond to you right away. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.